0: Hey, it's a new year, and the series we're going through to open the year is called Renew. Renew. And uh, I hope you have your Renew 2021 card where you are tracking the goals and commitments that you are making. We spent a few weeks talking about the mind and how if we're intentional, if we set goals that deal with the mind, then we're going to have a great year. Then, last week, we started talking about the body. And the body is going to be something that we work on for our entire lives, and it's going to be a tremendous source of spiritual growth. We have to be intentional about seeking renewal with our body. And so I think it would be fun to start with some amazing facts about the human body. Maybe you didn't know how amazing your body is. Do you know that your skull has 22 different bones in it? You should say, wow, wow. Did you know that throughout your lifetime, you shed about 40 pounds of skin cells? Wouldn't it be nice if those shed off faster, right? You know? (laughs) Do you know that your nose can detect 10,000 different odors? That's pretty impressive. Do you know that you will consume over 100,000 pounds during your lifetime? And... Do you know that throughout your life, you will produce 6,250 gallons of saliva? Enough to fill two entire swimming pools. Ew. These bodies are pretty amazing. And God made your body to lead to his glory. Last week, we learned about some of the basics when it comes to seeking bodily renewal, like God wants us to pursue self-control, not sloth, right? He wants us to surrender our bodies to him and he doesn't want us to go it alone. What we're finding is there are principles of growth, principles of virtue that tie into our bodies. And if we align our efforts with those principles, we're gonna have a really great year physically, hopefully our best year yet. Um, But if we go against the biblical principles, it's gonna be a rough year. Today, what we're gonna talk about dealing with the body Um, would be kind of the big three things that can prevent us from achieving lasting victory in this area of our lives. Why wouldn't we go for our best year yet in terms of physical wellness? Why wouldn't that be our goal? But there are certain patterns, there are certain mindsets, there are certain potholes that we kind of keep uh, falling into, that keep slowing us down. If we identify those patterns of what holds us back consistently, then we can really have a breakthrough. Hey, let's start by doing what we learned to do last week. Let's offer our bodies to Christ as we begin this sermon today. Let's pray. Jesus, we offer ourselves to you as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Uh, This body you gave us belongs to you. Help us to glorify you with this body. Jesus, you are Lord of heaven and Lord of earth. Forgive us for when we make ourselves the Lord of our bodies. We pray that you would teach us what it means to be humble and to follow you faithfully in the area of physical wellness today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, the verses will all be put up on the screen for you. This is a different kind of sermon. Usually we pick one passage, right, and we go through verse by verse. Uh, Today it's going to be a topical message, so what we're going to do is we are going to actually cover one theme, but we're going to go to different verses throughout the Bible to support that theme. Uh, Here's the first thing that we can write down, and then we'll unpack it from Scripture. Number one, if you want to renew your body this year, you have to embrace your defaults. Write that down. You have to embrace your defaults. What I mean by a default is something, a part of you that is God-given or God-intended. Something, a part of you, that God, your creator, built into you. He decided this is you. He allowed this is you. And one of the fastest ways to find futility in the physical area of your life is to resent your defaults or to try and refuse them Uh, So embrace your defaults. God made us with certain traits in his image for his glory. And that thought should astonish you. You are hand-carved by a holy God. He designed and built you. In Isaiah 45, 9, therefore, it says this, Woe to him who strives with him who formed him, a pot among earthen pots. Does clay say to him who forms it, what are you making? Or your work has no handles. This is a really funny image. The image is of a potter making a pot. And this clay pot then, while it's being made, turns up and starts sassing the maker. Hey, hey, where's the handles? A sassy pot, okay? This is a portrait of what you are not supposed to be with God. You look at how he's made you and you're like, "Uh, I've got some opinions of how you should have done a better job up there, Potter. That heart attitude is in scripture is condemned in every area of our lives. But certainly when it comes to how God made us and fashioned us, the idea that we would look down and then look up and sass, is something that we have to stop doing. We have to embrace our defaults. If we despise our defaults, we will never find renewal for our bodies. Uh, We will be wrestling with God. And instead, we will fall into many, many traps, like envy, like self-loathing, like quitting, and ultimately feeling like our efforts are endlessly worthless. Hey, the sooner you embrace your defaults, the sooner you'll enjoy your distinctives. God formed you, God carved you to be you. And embracing your defaults is the first way to make sure that you will find renewal for your body. Jot this down You're God's design. You're God's design. Therefore, you're physical design and your spiritual makeup and your emotional concoction of chemicals and hormones flowing through your system, right, is all designed by God. And therefore, you're His design. Your body reflects the intentions of an eternal being who wanted to use your life to display His glory. You are His art. As humans, we often try out our hand at art. Am I right? Most of us are not good at it. And children love art, but they're just not that good at it. Uh, when my son Jared was really young, like like really, really young, uh, he came home and said, I drew a picture of you, Mom. And Lauren was like, well, that just warms my heart. Do you want to see the picture? Here's the picture he drew of his mom. Check it out. <laughs> Whoa there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, But it was touching because it was from him. Uh, hey, you're God's art. He wanted to be creative. He used you to say something about himself. All right? And sometimes when you look at what God drew, you might be like, ah, he missed. I don't like the colors. We can, we can, like, talk back, right? Uh, And judge the person who actually made us. But we're his design. I like what David said in Psalm 139, 15 to 17. Here's what he said. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! This is a a reflection, a song, a hymn, a poem, about David thinking about God making him in the womb, and even before the womb. He knew he was on God's mind before he was created. He knew that the planning, the intention, the blueprint was, was of God. And then he talked about the weaving together, which what we know about DNA today is a beautiful picture of this. God literally weaves you together genetically in a way that makes you special. And all of those chemical decisions, as they were combined, will decide your body. But beyond that, in the book of Acts, it talks about how God stretches out the nations, right? That people might stretch out and find their place in his will, that they might find him and reach out for him. It's all of God, your upbringing, your body, and David knew this. Now, David could have griped, right? He was going to go on to be a a great king, but he had, listen, seven older brothers. I don't know if you have an older brother. I don't know if you have two older brothers. David had this many of them. You think he got pummeled as a kid, right? And he wasn't that big. He wasn't that tall. He wasn't royal, and he stormed into battle against Goliath. And you th- what did Goliath say? Did Goliath say, oh, now I've met my match? Goliath is like, why does this puppy come at me with sticks and stones? David was nothing impressive. Okay, yet God graced him with Samson-like strength. People were shocked at his power in battle. He killed a lion and a bear. Show me a teenager who can do that. All right. The spirit rushed upon him. In other words, it wasn't David. David could have griped about, why do not you make me bigger? Why do not you make me stronger? Why do not you give me a better pedigree? I had all this trouble with King Saul because I was a nobody. He didn't whine and complain and moan. Precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. David embraced his defaults. And he knew that they didn't stop God. He was God's design. Is that your mindset? Have you embraced the defaults or do you despise them? Do you resist them? Do you refuse them? Your body reflects the intentions of an eternal being who wants to use your life to display his glory. You're a God's design. And write this down. Therefore, your specs are sacred. Your specks are sacred. What God built into your life and your body is of his design. It's a pretty awesome thought. And what does it mean, therefore, specifically to embrace our defaults? Well, it means you've got to, first of all, embrace your body type right? There are things you can't change about your body type, your height, your overall shape. When it comes to your bone structure, right, your eye color, does that mean I shouldn't dye my hair? Come on, please. It's not not like that kind of thing, right? Making alterations for fun or for appearance is not like it's against God's will. What I'm talking about is at the deepest level, some people have never been okay with what God gave them. Maybe because society told you you got the wrong kind of body, right? However that thought got into you, there's been this uh, many years, if not lifelong battle with if I only had, if I only was, if I only looked. That's an affront to your creator. It's not of God. Your body type is special to God. This also includes, obviously, when it comes to defaults, that your gender is god-given your gender is god-given it's a default and we are to embrace the defaults from the creator in the beginning he made them male and female and being made in the image of god includes this aspect of ourselves do you know that your body has around 37 trillion cells do you know that 37 trillion cells do you know that every one of your 37 trillion cells identifies you as male or female. Do you know that? And so, embrace what is true in a trillion ways about yourself. Embrace it. When it comes to your skin color, your race is God-given. It's a God-given sacred part of who you are. And therefore, you should embrace your defaults, and also the defaults that God has given other people. When it comes to finding renewal in the body, if you sincerely want to have lasting health and victory in this area, it begins when you embrace the year and the make and the model determined by your Creator. Have you gotten there? Have you embraced your defaults? Maybe now's the time. Renew your body. Number one, embrace your defaults, your God's design, your specs are sacred. Now, I know in in the back of your mind, there's a lot of questions that are bubbling up right now, like, hold on just a minute, preacher, because I've got some questions. Don't worry, we're going to get to those. Number two is a bit of a balance that complements number one. So jot this down, embrace sickness and disabilities. I know one of your first thoughts is like, hold up there are some things in my life particularly with my body that you're telling me that that was God-given because it seems like it's a problem it seems like it's not the ideal it seems like it's abnormal or undesirable what do I do with that just say thanks God I know we all have them so when it comes to sickness and disabilities we have to face the reality that because of the fall We all suffer in many ways, and one of those ways is bodily afflictions, or disabilities, or setbacks, right? So there are things in our lives, things in our bodies, that are problems, that are defects, that are wrong. They're not as the maker originally intended, and we all have them. We all have them. They're just different from person to person. So therefore, the goal can never be to try and figure out how to get to a place where you no longer have those physical disabilities or anomalies or you're never gonna to get to the place here on earth. Praise God that you're promised a perfect body in heaven. Praise God for that, but you're not there yet. And be careful what you're praying for. If you keep going on and on and on and on and on and on and on, and on about what you, got, what you want God to do in your body and ultimately the sum total of it all is that you want a perfect body, there's only one place he can take you to give you that. Is that what you really are praying for? <laughs> take me there now. So we've got to be realistic here in this life. The question is not how do we avoid all of these sicknesses and disabilities. The question is how do we process the bodily troubles when they come? The problems that bring us pain, the problems that lead us to frustration, that puzzle us, and maybe that puzzle the doctors. When you face sickness or disability or disease in your life, often people wonder, is this my fault? It's kind of the first thing that they wonder. Did I do something wrong? Is God punishing me? And I would say that most of the time the answer is no. Most of the time because of the fall, because of our food throughout our lives, because of where we've, whatever. It's usually a reap so principle that we just live in a fallen world where we're exposed to many different things that could go wrong with our bodies. It's not that God reached down and said, boom, kidney stones, you know? (laughs) He didn't just like decide to zap you. And this theme runs throughout the Bible. The Bible is very aware of the problem of pain. And the Bible is very aware of one wrong conclusion that is constantly drawn from pain. Oh, you're suffering. You must have done something wrong. I'm not suffering. I must have done something right. Uh, False conclusion. If you read the whole book of Job, that's one of the reasons that book is in there. The most righteous man alive got crushed physically for it. So if you've been haunted by that thought, John 9, 2-3, there was a man born blind, and it says this, his disciples asked Jesus, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Did you hear the bias in their question? Uh-oh, this guy can't see. Who did it, Jesus? Him, or was it his daddy? <laughs> who, who's to blame? Tell us. There was not even room for any other option. He's clearly cursed. We're clearly not. Tell us what what happened here. Jesus corrected their false thinking. Jesus said, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. In this particular case, a man was born blind, that the Messiah would come up and give him a healing touch and give him his sight. That was the reason in his case. What a glorious purpose God had. Don't always assume that if you have problems, it's a punishment from God. And don't let your heart sink into self-pity. Woe is me. It's really bad for the heart to think when something goes wrong with the body, oh, I must be punished, and then that leads into, oh, I must be more punished than you, and then that leads into, no one knows my pain. Self-pity, self-pity, self-pity. And you're going to wallow all the way down to nothing, right? It's just an unhealthy heart attitude. Now, sometimes, yes. Sometimes, yes, the things that we suffer in our body are directly a result of our fault. Okay, if you went outside, when the eclipse happened, and you stared at it for an hour without glasses, it's your own fault that you can't see anymore, okay? Everyone warned you! Why? Who who sinned that this man is born blind? No, he stared at the eclipse, right, with no glasses. So there are things we can do where we bring pain and suffering on ourselves. Even that has a divine purpose that can be used by God. So understand all of our physical problems serve God's purpose and God wove them into your life story you may never know why on earth but your endurance will be rewarded in heaven so if you want to find renewal for your body you've got to embrace your defaults but you also have to embrace that there will be sickness disease and disabilities you won't get around them you're not getting out of that so it's all about how you embrace those things when they come jot this down they are intended for God's glory why Why? On your way home from the doctor. Why? For God's glory. For God's glory. For God's glory. That's one giant reason why. This unearths another false assumption that we all have. Well, I must have done something wrong. False. Well, this can only end badly. False. This can only do bad things to me. False. Do you see the false assumptions? I'm being punished. Nope. This is pointless. Nope. 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 No and no. Glory and groaning go together. That's a tweet. Glory and groaning go together. I dare you to tweet that. You know, the angels will see that and be like, oh, he gets it. Let's give him something. Kidney stones. They're intended for God's glory. Moses didn't get this. Moses didn't get this. In Exodus 4, 10 to 13, he couldn't get how his disabilities, his weaknesses, his setbacks could lead to God's glory. He didn't get it. And so in Exodus 4:10, it says this, Moses said to the Lord, oh my Lord, I'm not eloquent either in the past or since you've spoken. Moses is talking to a burning bush. Okay, talk about sassy pot talking to potter. This is, this is made talking to the eternal fire, right? I, I'm slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf, seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what to speak. What did Moses say? Oh my Lord, please send someone else to do it. I'm not good enough. I can't do it. I wish I was better. He didn't get it. He didn't get it. And maybe what you look at your setbacks. So oh, I can't do this. I would never win that talent competition. I would, therefore, you can't use me. I mean, you made me wrong. You made me wrong. And so I can't go and do that for you. God got hot with Moses. You read, you read that story. You read that story. See, we miss the part that comes next. God almost killed Moses. Do you realize that? Because he wouldn't quit. He wouldn't quit. He wouldn't get in line with what God was calling him. I can't do it. No, I just might as well not do it. Wow. So our disabilities, our setbacks, will in the end get God credit and God glory. Despite our weaknesses, Moses felt his limitations prevented him from serving God in a great way. But Moses' limitations prepared Moses to serve God in a great way. Is that your view of your physical limitations? Well, God's preparing me to serve him in a great way. Or God's preventing me from serving him in a great way. Our limitations are intended for God's glory. Embrace sickness, disabilities, setbacks, And this includes things—I know that a lot of people have this question, too. Well, you know, it's one thing to say I can't speak well, but it's another thing. What if I had, like, a birth defect? What if I had, like, a disability, like a serious issue, either mentally or physically or emotionally? This all fits into this category. They're intended for God's glory. They're intended for God's glory. And maybe you or a loved one is in this category where there's just things that have been or that at some point became in your life— uh, a, a permanent disability. Did I do something wrong? Is God punishing me? Uh, has the, Hey, 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 it's for His glory. It's for His glory. Well, how on earth can, can, I, can this person or can I now actually serve God's purpose? Hey, this is preparing you to serve His purposes. Hey, get that wrong thinking out of your head. Get all of it out of your head. That's not from God. These are intended for God's glory. And jot this down. They're intended to keep us humble. They're intended to keep us humble. Let's face it, we often forget we're mortal. We often forget we're weak. We often forget that time is short and our bodies will remind us, right? Oh, they will remind us. The Apostle Paul was a highly decorated religious teacher in the New Testament. He lost all of his credibility when he became a follower of a dead messiah who allegedly rose from the grave. I mean, he lost all of his resume points there. So he walked around realizing that he no longer enjoyed the favor of the world, and he told people about Christ, and so God gave him visions of heaven. And so at that very point, when he could have then swelled back up with this spiritual arrogance again, God gave him something to humble him. We don't know what it is. He calls it a thorn in his flesh But people assume that it's definitely something physical. He mentions in one of the books, he had problems with his eyes. It it was something, it was something. There was some sort of a physical disability. And it says in 2 Corinthians 12, 7-9, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Hey, this could be the verse for you. Whatever it is in your body, or in your life for that matter, but whatever it is in your body where you're like, take it away, Lord, Uh, my power is made perfect in your weakness. Take it away, Lord. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Take it away, Lord. My power is made perfect through that. If God has made it clear that there's something you want out, and God is at least saying wait, and maybe saying no, you need to make peace with that. Maybe you need to make peace with that right now. It's intended to keep us humble. I've referenced a book before by Admiral William McRaven. He gave a famous speech at a graduation where he talked about, if you want to change the world, start by making your bed. And he talked about how when they train Navy SEALs, the first thing they train them to do is not to kill in battle, but to make their bed right. If they do the first task of the day right, they will likely do the remainder of the tasks correctly excellence, and dedication shows up with the smallest thing, so he wrote a book then called Make Your Bed, and I'd highly recommend it. In chapter two, he talks about how when it comes to having an impactful life, you have to realize just how much you need other people. <clears throat> Throughout his story, Admiral William McRaven talked about how he got to such a high place of power in the United States military, he commanded all Navy SEALs on the western coast at one point. At another time, he was in battle, um, and in the Middle East, and he personally was assigned to watch over Saddam Hussein in captivity, visiting him every day. And so he felt like he was at the very top of his game. And then one day he was doing a routine exercise where he jumped out of a plane to do a parachuting run, and his uh, chute got wrapped around his leg, and then his secondary chute got wrapped around his other leg, and he was flipped upside down. And as the chute began to open, he knew immediately what was about to happen. He split like a wishbone. His pelvis broke five inches apart. While he's parachuting, upside down, he said he passed out from the pain, woke up at some point on his way down, managed to get himself ready to land. He survived. They brought him to the hospital, and the recovery was excruciating. He said there he was now, thought that he had his whole career ahead of him after this highly decorated uh, period in the military. Now he was at home, and he was reliant on his wife to bring him food, to clothe him, to wash him, to change his bedpan. He could do nothing without her. And he's so grateful for that period in his life because he said it showed him just how desperately he needs other people. He can't do it alone. Weakness, periods of the valley, they're intended to keep us humble. They're intended to teach us what is true about ourselves, that we're dust. And jot this down, they're intended to build stronger faith. Embrace sickness and disabilities. They're intended for God's glory. They're intended to keep us humble. They're intended to build stronger faith. When we allow the physical trials we face to make us stronger spiritually in reliance on God, then we become more mature. Then we become more selfless and more compassionate. When life gets hard, if we pause spiritual growth, we'll never mature. We'll never get stronger. We'll never break through. If when life gets hard, we're out. We're not coming to church. We don't sing it gets better we don't pray we don't pray because God should know God should know if the pain makes us weak how are we ever going to move forward in faith but if we throw ourselves at the feet of Jesus where we can go into his presence boldly to find help in our time of need then we get stronger so number one embrace your defaults your God's design your specs are sacred number two embrace sickness and disabilities they're intended for God's glory to keep us humble, and to build stronger faith. That's why. And then number three, embrace all the seasons of life. Embrace all the seasons of life. If I had to highlight here three things that could constantly get in the way of us making physical progress, the big three, I would say, are these. If someone chronically can't get well physically, it's likely because they haven't embraced their defaults they haven't made peace with the sickness and disabilities and setbacks in their life, or this one, they're totally unaware of the season they're in. They're totally unaware of the season they're in. Every season has its unique opportunities and limitations. And at any point in our journey, we can define and seek healthy bodily habits, or we can decline to seize that day. We can either resent the season we're in, or we can squander the time entirely. So we have to embrace the season we're in. And in Isaiah 40, 28 to 31, it talks first about youth. It says this, Have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is a beautiful picture of everyone, young and old, needing the strength only God can provide throughout their lifetime. Jot this down first. Embrace all the seasons of life. Embrace the beginning. Everybody gets a beginning. Here you are, And in the beginning when you're young, how would we define young? I'd say young is probably birth up to about 43. That would be about young. (laughs) What, you don't like my convenient allocation of years? No, the young, the young, children, teenagers, young adults, the young. What does it mean to embrace that season of life? Well, let's face it, during that time, you're usually in your physical prime, right? And so you're not reminded, usually by your body, to seek out the strength only God can provide. To uh, pursue the satisfaction that is only available from God. We can get sloppy, we can get lazy, or we can get vain. And we can turn our bodies into an idol for others to adore. When we're young, we have to embrace the beginning in a godly manner. We have to let God be glorified through our bodies And we also have to nail down those defaults from a very young age. This is how God made me. This is who I am. This is what came in the box. This is my make. This is my model. And I have to embrace that. I can't refuse that. Those are all crucial parts of embracing the beginning. Choosing to stay pure and blameless. Choosing to be active and fit. Choosing to be responsible and guarded. All of that is what amounts to glorifying God with your body in your youth. And we know now, if we are not young anymore, that uh, bad habits will haunt you. Bad habits will haunt you. And good habits will reward you, richly, richly reward you. They start when you're young. I didn't have the best dental hygiene when I was young. And I've had dental problems my whole life. Uh, I've had seven crowns. I have been crowned with many crowns, (laughs) which makes me more like Jesus than you. Six of those were root canals. Not fun, but it all started in my early 20s. And when it started, it maybe took the third root canal before I finally, I was like, I want to have the cleanest teeth in the world. That's it. I'm done with this, right? And so I had a bit of a wake-up call there. So embrace the beginning. The choices you make when you're younger, they will follow you. Jot this down, embrace the middle. Embrace the middle. Maybe you're in the middle. I'm in the middle. I'm well aware of that. He doesn't think he's young anymore, does he? I'm in the middle. All right. I'm reminded every day I'm in the middle. I woke up two days ago and I had my first gray eyebrow. First one. First gray eyebrow. Yeah, don't look for it. I had Lauren pluck it out. Because I will not tolerate gray eyebrows. It already took over the beard, a little bit on my head, but the eyebrows are too far. I know I'm in the middle. I'm embracing that I'm in the middle. Right? Habakkuk 3.2 is a great verse if you're in the middle like me. Oh, Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work. Oh, Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. Habakkuk felt like he was in the midday of life. The midday of life, the high noon of existence, and maybe that's where you are. Very, very easy to fall away from God at noon. In the middle. Very easy. Midlife crisis. Why? Usually because you've got a lot of stuff and you're still not happy. Well, I didn't find my happiness here. Where do I go now? David survived a crazy King Saul who threw spears at him. David survived the wilderness where he lived in a cave. David killed Goliath. David won so many battles, he was famous. Then one day, he's just in the palace. Nothing to do. Nowhere to be. And then he's like, hello, lady. There's Bathsheba. She's got nowhere to be. And he ruined his reputation. He failed. Listen, listen the palace. If you're in the middle, beware. Embrace the middle. And that's true of our body. David gave in to the lusts of his flesh. Don't give in to the palace temptations of the middle. Embrace the beginning. Embrace the middle. That also means you've got to let go. You've got to let go of whatever you thought those days of youth. That's not the goal. That's not what you're chasing. It's always dysfunctional and immature when you see someone chasing a previous life stage. Okay, the Bible just flat out says it. Grow up. Grow up into the faith. Embrace the beginning, embrace the middle. That includes having realistic parameters for your own definition of physical wellness. And then jot this down: embrace the ending. Embrace the ending. Hardest thing to do, embrace the aging process. Embrace the passing of the years. Embrace the aches and the pains that are preparing you for eternity. Embrace it. Are you battling Father Time? Are you running from him? Are you refusing him? Time can be like a predator hunting you, threatening to steal everything you hold dear. Or he can remind you everything that is valuable in this life. Because the time will never come again. And you have to cherish each season are you really struggling as you age to define new realistic healthy limitations definitions of what wellness is or are you refusing that is it no deal with god if i'm going to get old my body's going to start breaking down no deal i'm going to be cranky all the time how are you doing at embracing the ending for those of you who have entered that stage caleb is our hero in the bible you know Joshua and Caleb, right? The two spies who came back said, let's go take the promised land. We're not afraid of these giants. Well, the rest of the spies lied to the people. They were judged and killed same day. Joshua and Caleb had to just wait it out 40 years in the wilderness because other people didn't believe. Well, in Joshua 14, 10 to 12, we hear the ending of Caleb's story. So they finally charge in, right? They take out Jericho and then they're, they're taking the land and Caleb comes up to his old buddy Joshua. Says this, now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, just as he said, these 45 years. And behold, I am this day 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as I was the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for going and for coming. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim, those are the giants. We're there with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out as the Lord said. This is 85 year old Grandpa Caleb saying, Send me out to the battle. Give me the biggest guys in the toughest forts, and with God's help, they're going down. He wants to be a giant killer at 85, and he's buffed. Grandpa Caleb's been doing CrossFit, he's been doing push ups in the wilderness. This is a man on a mission. Now, I'm not saying that when you turn 85, God's going to bless you with abs, okay? That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying as you get older, based on the strength that the Lord has given you and the promises that he's made to you, I mean, why don't you have the attitude of a giant killer? Let me at him. Let me at him, right? Give me strength, Lord. I'm physically, mentally, spiritually, Lord. All right, you did it for Caleb. Do it for me. Is that your prayer? Is that your heart? Is that your ambition? His fire is hot. Maybe that's your prayer. Lord, make me an 85-year-old giant slayer. Pursuing and prioritizing physical wellness, whatever that means to you at that later stage, is a giant priority. It's a big part of what God wants you to do. Having that vitality is huge. Hey, these are the big three. Do you want to renew your body this year? Number one, embrace your defaults, your God's design, your specs are sacred. Number two, embrace sickness and disabilities. They're intended for God's glory. They'll keep you humble and strengthen your faith. Number three, embrace whatever season you're in. Embrace the beginning responsibly. Embrace the middle cautiously. Embrace the ending ferociously. And God will renew your body. Hey, we need Christ to do this for us, so let's go to him in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you that there are so many principles in Scripture that help us to find renewal for our bodies. And thank you for these examples of the men we've heard about today. David reflecting on his his own making, and and Paul talking about his physical trials, and uh, Caleb just (laughs) ready to go and feeling stronger than ever. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us these examples of people uh, who want to be well. They want to be on fire. And Habakkuk, who even in the middle, wanted to see your power fall again. Help us to have healthy mindsets about our bodies, Jesus, and remind us what we learned last week, that we are to offer ourselves to you as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to the Lord. Jesus, you are the Savior and the Lord of the world. So we bring our bodies to you, and we ask you to be Lord of our physical wellness. Lord, we just ask that you would take control and command of this area of our lives. Forgive our failure, forgive our folly, help us to embrace how you've made us. And we pray that in this area, you, Jesus, would be greatly glorified. And we pray this in your name, amen. Will you stand and worship with us?